Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. So as I'm sure you'll all agree, everyone needs a little bit of advice from time to time, whether it's life advice, diet advice, relationship advice, none of us are all knowing and all of us will occasionally turn to a third party for some much appreciated guidance. Now that third party could be a close relative, a trusted friend, or even an online advice column. Now, there are likely countless online advice columns floating around out there. Goodness knows I've read one or two in my weaker moments. However, there is one online advice column that I cherish above all others. Not because of the good advice it gives, although to be fair, there are a few pearls of wisdom to be found if you sift through. But because the content is a little more interesting than your stock standard online advice offering. In fact, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more interesting column than the Dear Prudence advice column at Slate magazine. Now, Slate is a super-duper woke website, very anti-Republican, anti-conservative, really anti-anything that's not of the far left. This means the Dear Prudence advice column is often packed with wokies asking for advice from the very, very woke Ms. Prudence herself, which, needless to say, ends up creating some absolutely hilarious YouTube content for me, some of which I'm going to share with you right now. Today's truly outstanding offering centers around the issue of race politics on the battleground of none other than human hair. This entry is entitled, Help! I know this black hair salon isn't for me, but I can't resist. Wow, I think we can all see where this is going. Anyway, let's read what the advice asker all curled up has to say for herself. I am a white woman with thick curly hair. I learned long ago that products and techniques intended for black hair often work great on mine. Recently, after some internet research, I went to a new salon. I knew going in that I was not this salon's, shall we say, target market. I was the only white person there, stylists included, and the products were all from black-owned and generally black-marketed brands. Everyone was very kind, and I didn't get any weird vibes, although it was fairly quiet there. Now, the point I'll make here is that, believe it or not, the culture war over black people versus white people's hair has been going on for a reasonable while now, sometimes not without justification. I mean, it must be very frustrating being a black man or woman shopping for specialized shampoo and routinely not being able to find it in the supermarket or, I don't know, perhaps it's sold for a higher price at some places. However, the detail that is often willfully left out is that black people don't actually have the monopoly on curly, difficult-to-manage hair. Behold the Celts! Hence the fact this woman is clearly desperate for a hairdresser who understands her hair to do her hair, and it seems that she's found one. Innocuous? Maybe not. Let's continue. But afterwards, a black friend kindly told me that, while she understood my hair struggles, I was invading one of the few safe spaces for black women in our very white suburb of a pretty white big city, and she would guess the salon's employees and other customers were not thrilled with my presence and would prefer I not return. And here it starts. First of all, this advice asker needs to find a new friend. I mean, nothing about that interaction is kind. That kind of patronizing wokery from a supposed pal is all just about control. I mean, clearly this friend does not see all curled up as her equal. Second, this is at least vaguely bullying since the friend is deliberately eroding the woman's confidence by telling her the people at the salon don't like her and don't want her there. I mean, that is high school level teenage girl bullying. So-and-so doesn't really like you, you know, you might want to avoid sitting with her at lunch. You can't sit with us! So juvenile. Let's continue. 
My friend doesn't go to this particular salon, but she is black in our overwhelmingly white area and dialed into that community and experience, and I trust her on this. I know and understand the value of safe spaces, but it was the best haircut of my life, and I don't want to assume this salon doesn't want my business. I'm a great customer, on time, friendly, and an excellent tipper. In addition, not supporting a local black-owned business, the owner is a black woman, seems like a perverse way to show support. Since I can't exactly call them up and ask them if they prefer I not come back because I'm a white lady, I am seeking a second opinion. Should I find a new salon? So the fact that the friend doesn't even go to the salon makes it even worse. I mean, how would she know the ins and outs of what goes on in an environment she seems to have never entered? For all she knows, the hairstylists and the patrons of the salon might not be, you know, unbearably woke race agitators like her and therefore may actually not care that a white lady comes in. In fact, they may not even notice since they have, you know, lives to lead. Also, the advice asker makes a good point here in the fact that surely denying a black-owned business her patronage is the opposite of progressive? I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that all we heard circa 2020 that white people should support black-owned businesses? Anyway, let's read on to see how Dear Prudence answered this thoroughly frustrating conundrum. I'm challenged by the story you're telling here because of what I know about hair and hair salons, which is a lot. Without going into the weeds about the classifications of curl patterns, a white woman's thick curly hair and black hair, the kind black salons specialize in, are not one and the same. Unless you are getting braids, some other protective style, or a relaxer, I can't imagine that this place would have anything to offer you that another salon wouldn't. And if a simple cut, which is probably last on the list of things that would be done in a unique way at a place that caters to black women, is what you're there for, I would guess that the best fit for you actually would be a curly hair salon. That's something very different, which exists in most cities now. Plus, a really good stylist of any race can do an excellent job on any hair texture. It's part of their training and it's really about technique more than identity. So I struggle with the idea that this salon is your only or best option. This, again, coming from someone who has never been to this salon and doesn't know what city the advice asker lives in. Maybe All Curled Up has tried to find a curly salon and simply can't? I've certainly never heard of such a thing, let alone seen one in the wild. And the advice continues. I had to get that all out, but I will accept the facts as you've presented them here, that you got an amazing haircut, the likes of which you've never been able to get anywhere else. I understand how valuable that is, and are having a moral dilemma about whether to go back. I think you'll find a return, but here's the key. While you're there, you need to be just a low-key white person. Wait, I'm sorry, what? What the heck is a low-key white person? What is a low-key white person? My husband and I came up with this term to describe the kind of white person we like to be friends with. Someone who obviously isn't spewing racism, but beyond that isn't exhausting everyone around them trying to get attention for their non-racism. They have good politics and hate bigotry, which you know from their actions and things that come up naturally in conversation. But they're also not so insecure that they have to hit you over the head with it constantly. They're not trying to be edgy or in on inside jokes. They're confident enough that they're not racist to just be normal and connect with people on topics other than race. Okay, so the irony here is that the type of, I guess, high-key white person Dear Prudence has inadvertently described, so the opposite of the low-key type, is a white progressive. 
you know, obsessed with proving to the world how non-racist they are, usually to compensate what, for what is often an internalized racism they feel guilty about, trying really hard to up their quota of black friends, very obviously tippy-toeing around non-white people for fear of offending them, you know, just generally judging people by the color of their skin, not the content of their character. And the reason that's ironic is because I'm guessing Prudence and her husband are both progressives, yet they clearly don't like white progressives. Really, the type of low-key white person they should be hanging out with are white conservatives. Good politics, hate bigotry in all its forms, not insecure, confident enough that they're not racist to just be normal and connect with people on topics other than race. If only Prudence knew what she and her husband were potentially missing out on. Anyway, to continue. So how do you behave like a low-key white person? You get your hair cut, read your magazine, know that your intentions are pure, and don't seek any validation from your stylist or fellow salon goers. You chat about the weather and the parking situation. You refrain from making announcements about how coarse your curls are and how it traumatized you as a child, so you can really understand what all the other women in the salon are going through, or how you would have voted for Obama a third time, or about how your parents are super racist and you just don't know why, but you blame Fox News because they're really actually good people, or how much you love and appreciate Lizzo. Who the heck does that? Seriously. The concern that your friend, who knows you better than I do, expressed about how you might ruin the vibe of this place makes me slightly worried that you don't have a history of being low-key. So does the small whiff of, I am a hero for helping out this black salon and being an amazing customer and tipping well, in your question, I don't know. I don't have enough to go on, but just reflect on whether you could mellow out and do more to conceal the fact that you're preoccupied with the racial dynamics there. Now Prudence makes a reasonable point here. Perhaps All Curled Up is, in actual fact, the kind of unbearable, race and virtue obsessed white progressive that really probably nobody likes to be friends with except other white progressives. It could be that the mention of supporting a black owned business is in fact indicative of a white savior complex, which is a very unattractive quality to have. In which case, I'd say that All Curled Up probably wouldn't be much fun in any hair salon, let alone a black one. Either way, it is really, really sad that the so-called friend of All Curled Up is so race-obsessed that she tried to police her curly-haired white friend's behavior to the point of shaming her into not going into a particular hair salon. I swear that all relates back to the hair culture war. The friend, I think, is just one of those race activists who's so obsessed with being a victim that only black women could possibly have so much trouble with their hair that they need their own hair salons and white people should just shut up even if their hair needs the exact same kind of treatment. And as for Prudence's advice, well, all that business about being a low-key white person, while ironic for the reasons I mentioned, is still really racist. But of course, that kind of racism is venerated by Wokies as just part of dismantling the white cis-heteropatriarchy, so it's therefore something to be not only accepted, but celebrated and indeed encouraged. What a world we live in, am I right?